this week was a special week in history. This is a week that we would call a week of an anniversary of D-Day. Does anyone know what D-Day is? D-Day is the day that when World War II changed. It was the day when three significant nations came together with a whole bunch of other smaller nations as well. It was America, Canada, and Britain. And they got together and decided that they were going to make the largest land-sea assault in history against the Nazis because the Nazis had taken over. You've probably seen the movies. You've probably heard about you know, World War II. But 75 years ago uh, this week, I believe it was on Thursday, was when the, 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 the change of war happened. And all these men and women even gave their life to land on the beaches of Normandy across five different beaches. And they changed history by saying, enough is enough. We're going to change this war. We're going to change what happens. And thousands of them were, were, uh, died uh, across, that, across those beaches. They were just slaughtered on the beaches. But thank God that God was on our side in order to fight for freedom. And we're so grateful not only for them, but we're grateful for every person who has given their life or even served in the armed services. As a church, we're, we're so grateful that you have fought for our freedom as well. I'm, I'm, there's a little bit of sadness towards World War II in the sense of we are losing that generation because most of those, those these, these guys that are left over, they're in their 90s. In fact, one of them is, was in his 90s, and he decided to recreate the parachute jump that he did way back then. And I'm like, I hope I'm that bold when I'm 90 as well. How cool is that? That is super, super cool. Can I just get a show of hands? Who has had a parent or a grandparent that, was in, that served in World War II? Can we just show by a show of hands? I want you to look around and see how many hands are up. How cool is that, that we had parents or grandparents that were a part of World War II, and we've inherited that blessing of their honor in our lives. So if you don't mind, I just want to, I just want to give a, a positive round of thanks to, to that generation by just applauding that nation, even though there's probably no one here right now who served on that day. Wow. Today, we're going to continue on with the teaching about uh, purpose. And uh, purpose today, I want to talk about how to get what you want. Now, that's maybe a little bit of a, a difficult title for some Christians because, you know, in many churches, we usually talk about it's about sacrifice and it's not about what you want and you've got to give up your want and don't be selfish, etc. But I'm a great believer that God has placed his dreams his vision, and his purpose within us. And we have to figure out how to get it out of us. We have to figure out how to take hold of it, how to get the very things that you want. I don't believe that God has just called us to something we don't want to do. I don't believe he's called us to something, what is my purpose in life? Oh, my purpose is to do that? Oh, I don't really want to do that. No, no. I believe that God puts things in our hearts that we actually desire and we want. The Bible says, Jesus said, if an evil father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more does our heavenly father know how to give, give, give good gifts to us as well? I believe he's planted things in our hearts that we desire that are good. We may not understand them yet, but I believe they're in our hearts and it's our job to figure out how to get them out. Now, two weeks ago, if you were here, you may have heard me talk about what do you want? It's a really important question because what I've found is over the years, most people don't know what they want. I read a statistic recently, and I, I can't really quote you the, the source of it, but I read a statistic recently, and it said that 
They believe that about 83% of most Christians don't know what they're meant to do. They don't know where they're meant to serve. They don't know what their calling is. They don't know what their purpose is. Fundamentally, they don't know what they want. They're often fighting against things that they don't want, and they're, also, they're often fighting just to try and survive or just to, just to do good enough in their life or just to try uh, do righteously as much as they can. But they don't really know what it is that they want. Well, if you want to go back to teaching from two weeks ago, we talked about the five things that stop you from knowing what you want. And they're very significant five things that usually talk us out from even trying to discover what we want. Well, today what I want to do is I want to go back to one of the stories that we had talked about, and it was a story of blind Bartimaeus. There was a man who was blind, and he knew what he wanted, and he took steps to get what he wanted. And I want to learn some lessons from this blind Bartimaeus beggar. Now, that's an interesting thing, because we don't usually go out of our way to learn principles about life from beggars. Does anyone do that? Have you ever stopped at a traffic light seeing someone who had a little car that says homeless and hungry wind down your window or wind down your window and say, could you give me some principles for life? We don't usually think that we'll ever get principles for life from beggars, but I believe this was the beggar who changed lives. He's changing our lives today because we're actually hearing his story today. So I want to read from Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. And it says this, Then they came to Jericho. That's the disciples. This is just before Jesus is about to go to the cross. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. That's a different format of the same question, which is what do you want? What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. That is amazing. Because he didn't say, I got this. Let me do a song and dance. Let me pray for you and I'll heal you. No, he said, your faith has healed you. Why is that significant? Because I believe that everything you need is in you already. Oftentimes we're appealing to a force or a source outside of us. I need, I need my wife to change. I need my husband to change. I need a better boss. I need a better job. I need more money. I need the resources. I need something that is, a, that is a power and a force that is outside of you. When I believe that the Bible says it's inside of you, everything you need is in you and needs to come out. He said, your faith has healed you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that is within you if you're a Christ follower. If you're someone who's given your life to Christ, you have the same spirit. And look at this. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the way. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the way. There are six things I see in this scripture. 
that about six different things that Bartimaeus took, six different steps that he took to get the very thing that he wanted. And we're going to go through them one by one. Here's the first one. The first thing that Bartimaeus did is he said what he wanted. Now, that might seem like a simple and a straightforward thing. He shouted out, have mercy on me. I need this. I need to grow. I need love. I need to be significant. I need to be different. I want to have a purpose. I want to increase myself. He asked for what he actually wanted. Now, many of us might think, well, that seems to be straightforward. That seems to be simple. Why is that so important? I'll tell you why it's so important. Because you have to attract the right people to you. You have to attract that very thing that you want to you. John Maxwell calls this in his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. He calls it the law of attraction. You have to become the person, the source, the need that will attract the right resources to you. I can tell a lot about a person just by what they say. I can tell what they really believe just by what they let outside of their mouth. But here's the thing. Who was Jesus called to? Who was he called to work with? Well, in, in actually the book of Luke, just as he was about to go into ministry, he went to this local synagogue and he sat down and then he got up and he went to the attendant and he said, can I read the, uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah? And, he, and the attendant gave him the, 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 the scroll and he opened it up and he said this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And what does it say? Recovery of sight to the blind. We just found blind Bartimaeus in there. He's come, I've come to give recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue turned around and they were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wait a second. No one was healed yet. No one was raised from the dead yet. No cripple had been healed at all. No one was walking. No blind could see yet. But he said, today it is fulfilled. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm choosing to become that person. I'm choosing to be that person. Even Jesus had to speak out what it is that he wanted. Nothing had begun yet, but he said, I'm saying it out. And Jesus came to heal blind people to be able to see again. Here's the fascinating thing. I believe that Bart knew he had to attract someone like Jesus. He had to attract someone who had what he wanted. Here's the question I've got for you. Do you believe that the resources that you need are out there to support you? Do you? Do you really need it? Here's the question I've got for you then. How are you attracting those resources to you? Are you becoming the type of person who can, believe, who can be trusted by those resources to be settled in your life? Because oftentimes what happens is we actually in our hearts don't believe that the resources out there are, are actually out there to support us, to do what God has called us to do. So we're not in the business of trying to attract it to us. We don't actually let it out of us. We don't let vision come out of us. And maybe you're concerned that people are going to think that you're too big for your boots and maybe you're, 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 you're dreaming too big and they're going to oppose you and stuff like that. You're going to have to move past those people. You're going to have to move on, which leads me to my second point here is you don't have to just let it out. You also have to find the right person who has what it is that you want. Who has what you want? 
Who is it who has already what you want? In verse 47, it says, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth that was walking by, he had identified that this must be the guy who has what I want. How would he know it was Jesus of Nazareth? And so it's a good chance because he had heard through the grapevine that this is the guy who had healed other people at the, the pool of Bethsaida. This is the guy who had raised people from the dead. This is the guy who changed people's lives. I've heard about this Jesus. He has the evidence to back up the fact that he has what I want. Why would you go for advice to someone who doesn't have what you want? That doesn't make sense. Go to the person who does have the advice and has the proof and the evidence that they have what you want. Quite a few years ago, I bought a book. It was a business book, and it was called, it's from the HBR Press, the Harvard Business Review, and it's called Getting the Mentoring That You Need. Getting the Mentoring That You Need, or maybe even What You Want. Is it uh, Getting the Mentoring That You Need? And it's 10 different authors with 10 different chapters. And one of the authors said something that was really significant for me and some steps that I took to change my life. And one of the things he said was, you need to find a board for your life. Now, the way a board works is a company is a big conglomerate, it's a big, uh, um, a, a big business that exists out there. And usually, big businesses have boards. They have a CEO and a vice president and a president, all these different people who are doing the business of running the company, but they also have a thing called a board. It's like a panel of wise people. It's like a group of people who are experts in their field. Now, they're not experts in the exact same field, so you have one times 10 of the exact same people, but they, you basically pick specific people who are experts in their different areas and put them on a board and then gather them together to be able to collectively give you the best advice to run your company. And this author was saying this, you should consider building a board for your own life. So I started doing that. I started selecting people who could be on my board. And what I did was, I didn't tell them they were on my board. They don't even know each other. I just decided, you're on my board. I didn't ask them, I just decided they're on my board. Because here's what I found is this. I found that influential people love giving advice. They love giving their secrets away. And so I thought, I'm not gonna tell you you're on my board. I'm just gonna put you on my board and decide that you're one of my advisors. You're an expert in business, you're on my board. You're an expert in marriage, you're on my board. You're an expert in children, you're on my board. You're an expert in growing churches, you're on my board. Recently, I came up, I have a, I have a long list of all the things. Remember I told you about, you should list the things that you want. What do you want? What's your next step? Who do you need to speak to? And what's, you know, when are you actually going to do it? That was the four questions I left with you from two weeks ago. And I have a long list of things that I want. And I've put, been putting that list together probably for the last 10 years. And every time I see something else that I want, I put it on my list. And then I start to ask myself the question, what's the next step to be able to get that thing or do that thing in my life? And recently there was something that was on my list and I wanted to find someone who could help me to connect with more people. I want to make what I have, what God has given me, I want it to reach a larger audience because that's what I think God has called me to do. That's what's in my heart. So I was speaking with this gentleman that has a, a really, really successful um, ministry and, 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 and it's a, it really it basically, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ministry that helps people to uh, uh, get out of poverty and to be able to grow themselves and he's doing amazing work across the city. And I was speaking to him and I said, you know, I know this person over here and they're doing this and he's like, oh yeah, I know Tom. 
I'm like, oh, you know Tom. Okay, well, I know this person over here, uh, uh, Bobby over here. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know Bobby. I know Bobby. We've known him for a long time. And I said, you know everybody. Who do you not know? And he goes, that's my gift. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, it's just the gift that God has given me. I love to meet people and I know everybody. I just know it's true. That's my gift. And I said, I want that. Can you teach me how to do it? Will you be my mentor? And he's like, sure. And that was it. It was the easiest, quickest request. And he said, yes. Now it's on me to chase him down and have to call him and, t- and, and ask him, how do you do what you do, right? But I found someone who had what I wanted. Are you following me? You have to let it out and shout it out and speak it out to get what it is that you want. Find who, it, who has what you want. Number three, the third thing that Bart did. Bartimaeus moved past the voices that opposed him. In verse 48, it says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Listen, people can put you down, but they can't shut you up. Can I say it again? People can put you down, but they can't shut you up. You have to decide what comes out of your mouth. Are you going to be defined by the people around you? Then be defined by the people who are supporting you to do what you need to do. Sometimes I think we're often too controlled by what others think about us. I'm concerned that my mom or my dad will think this thing about me, so I won't say anything. I'm concerned my friends or my pastors or my boss will think I'm an idiot if I tell them what I really want to do in life. You're going to have to move past them. You still have to get it out of you. You can't afford to allow other people to shut your mouth down. Why is this so important? Because this is where your conviction lies. Your conviction lies within you. If you don't get it out of you and you just give up so easily, then you didn't want it as much as you thought. You might have whined about it. You may have thought you desired it, but you didn't really desire it if you didn't let it out and get past the people that are actually opposing you. Do you want godly kids? Do you want a good business? Do you want an amazing ministry? Do you want purpose in your life? Do you want influence? All of that stuff is stuff that God actually wants to give to you. Let me tell you, pursuit is the proof of your desire. You've got to get out there and make it happen. No one can do it for you. It's not going to come to you. Notice this. When Jesus heard him calling, he didn't turn around and say, oh, excuse me, someone's calling me. Let me get to him. No, 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 no. He made him come to Jesus. He was blind. He was in a crowd. Why would Jesus make him do all the work? Because that's where his conviction lay. When he took a step and he decided to shout out, that's when the proof was in the pudding. He made and took a step forward. Pursuit is the proof of your desire. But the odds are against me. Well, sucketh it up in the name of Jesus and just make your steps towards Jesus. Follow your conviction, not someone else's. Number four, number four. Bart, Bartimaeus, used the resources that were given to him. I love this point. This is a really cool point. Watch this now. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Look who Jesus used in order to bring Bartimaeus to him. Did you notice that? 
If Bartimaeus was bitter with the people that had been around him and had been put him down and just said, shush, you're just a beggar, you're nobody, and try to crush his dreams and desires, you will never be able to see. Just accept the fact that you are stuck in your place. If Bartimaeus decided to become bitter against those people, he would have burned his bridges against them with communication. Have you ever done that before? People who opposed you, you just stopped talking to them. You decide you don't want them in your life anymore. And yet Jesus used the people who put Bartimaeus down as stepping stones for him. Jesus makes opposers into resources. Let me say again. Jesus makes opposers into resources. This is why you can't afford to be bitter or angry with people who have hurt you and then burn your bridges with them because you may need them again one day. Listen, of all the people that I have mentored, I poured into, that have left us, I have chosen that they are fields that must return fruit back to us someday. We have poured into them. The Bible says that whatever you sow your seed, you need to expect that God will actually multiply it. If I just decide I want nothing to do with them because I'm hurt because they left us and I go on a huff, I'm the loser in that equation. Literally, I am the loser because I'm losing what I have sown into. I have to believe that God is gonna multiply whatever has been planted in them. Have you ever seen like on Facebook and people will often, and forgive me if it's you, but I'm gonna point you out. Anyway, okay, so forgive me if it's you, but, but they often you know, post these Facebook platitudes that I call them and they'll say things like, you know, like these pretty backgrounds with the text on top and it'll say, if your friends don't applaud you, then just get a new circle of friends, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have a problem with that. I'll tell you the two problems I have with it. Number one, you need people against you to make you stronger. How are you going to get stronger if you're always leaving people that you're uncomfortable with? If people who are causing you problems or are opposing you is like, well, I'm just not going to be your friend anymore. I'm just going to unfriend you on Facebook and then post a platitude that says, if you don't applaud me, then I'm not going to be your friend anymore. <laughs> Come on now. You need opposers to make you stronger. If you want a debater, you're gonna need someone who disagrees with you. If you're gonna sharpen your thoughts or your ideas, you need people to oppose you. If you're gonna be better in business, you need to tell people where you suck. If you're gonna become stronger in your muscles, you need weights that will oppose gravity, oppose you and gravity in order to try and make your muscles stronger. You can see I work out, I've got thinking man arms, right? Okay, so, so, so you need opposition in your life. I get it, you don't want only opposition, you do need supporters, you need good people. Bad company corrupts good characters, what the Bible says, but you do need good people in your life, but you still need opposers in your life. Here's the second reason why you shouldn't get rid of opposers in your life. Second reason, you need those people so you've got someone to change. You've got someone to influence. You've got someone to be called to, to help discover the way of Christ. Who are you gonna to go to when you discover your purpose? Are you just gonna to go to the church? We already have it. Who are you gonna to go to when you discover your purpose? Are you just gonna tell good people to be goodier? You can't tell them to be goodier. They're already goody. 
You need opposers who don't get the way of Christ so that you can become the example to spread the way of Christ to them. That's what Jesus came for. That's what we're called to as well. Expect that God will use all things around you to become your resources. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that, that, that all things work together for good to those who love God, who have been called according to his what? His purpose. So if you've been called to his purpose and you believe that you have it within you, then trust that everything that's in your life is a stepping stone to where you need to get to. Don't go again. Don't abandon opposers. Expect that they will be used by God in your life. Number five. Number five. Bartimaeus threw off his security blanket. Verse 50, it says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, why is this significant? It's significant because how was a blind man going to find the very thing that he just threw away in a crowd of people where it could actually get stolen by someone else? That doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense that he would either stay where he's at and protect his corner or he would pick up his cloak and try and gather all his stuff to come to Jesus. But he knew fine well, this was his opportunity. This was his time. He shouldn't delay in taking a step forward in his life. So he threw off his cloak. But a cloak in those do these days was actually probably one of the most valuable things a person could have, especially for a blind person. You see, a cloak was the thing that would keep you warm at night. But a cloak was also the thing that would shield you from the sun and frying you to a crisp during the day. The cloak was the thing that saved you 24 hours a day. It was a valuable thing, especially to a blind man. It was also very valuable in the sense of that he was in his spot and his spot was probably the best spot where he could actually try and raise money and beg for money. So if he was gonna give up his spot, it was like he was giving up his money-making position. He not only was giving up his money-making position, he was giving up the very thing that protected him that he needed night and day. It says that he threw it aside. Here's the question. Why did he throw it aside? Why did he throw this thing aside? I'll tell you why. Because this is where his faith was activated. I believe, I believe his faith was so activated that he knew fine well he was gonna find that cloak again if he needed it. Did you follow that? Oftentimes what happens is when we're in the position of fear of losing something, we're scared we'll never get it back again. We'll never get anything as good as that one thing we used to have. I, I've had to leave my family. I've had to leave my country. I've had to leave my business. I've had to leave my job. I've had to leave something behind because God has called me to something else. But God, I've worked so hard for that. I don't know if I'll ever get anything as good as that cloak over there. Listen, his faith was so stirred up inside of him. He's like, that guy's got what I want. He's gonna show me what to do. I'm gonna see whatever cloak I lose, I'll find it again really easily. But even more than that, I'll have the eyes to see that will allow me to become the type of person I need to become, to become a better person, to become a greater person, to become a business person. I'll never have to beg ever again. I'll buy a hundred different cloaks. Hello. He wasn't bothered about that cloak. Listen, even Matthew, even Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. It says, truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive how much? 
a hundred times as much. I love the rest of that sentence. To receive a hundred times as much when? In this present age. And note this. Most people think we're only going to get rewarded in heaven. Jesus said, I don't know what Jesus you're following, but the Jesus that I am, I'm the one will bring you reward in this life as well as the next life. And it says this, you'll receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can, can we strip that part of the scripture, Jesus? Because I don't know if I like that part. I don't want more persecutions. Listen, the more influence, the more power, the more purpose you have, the more opposition you're gonna have against you. But you've already learned how to get past the people that were telling you to shut, shut up and sit down. You've already learned how to get around them, to move past them, and to speak up and live the life that takes the next step towards Jesus. If you had the power then, how much more power do you think you'll have when you are resourced with a hundred times more than you've ever had. And then it goes on, it says, and in the age to come eternal, you're gonna get even more when you get to heaven as well. This is Jesus's words. This is not some health and wealth pastor preaching this and trying to promise you just to believe in some faith right now. This is not my words. This is our Savior's words. Whatever you give up will be multiplied back to you a hundred times more. This is life-changing. Here's the last thing. The last thing I think we learn from Bartimaeus, number six is, he did something. Verse 50 says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What I want you to understand is this, conviction with no action is no conviction at all. Conviction with no action is no conviction at all. We can talk about this stuff as much as we want, but if we don't take a step forward, you don't really have conviction. You just have a want. We have to move past what we just want to actually making it into a conviction in our lives. This, a conviction basically says this, this is what I live for. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. You see, blind Bartimaeus was a seeing guy way before he actually saw through his eyes. He already had a dream and a desire within him. Someday, when I get healed of this blindness, dang, I'm gonna do amazing stuff in life. So much so that it says that he decided to follow Jesus, and I believe he probably became the best evangelist in the world at the time. He became one of those guys, and I'll tell you how he knew it. I'll tell you, how, can you imagine if he was like walking around town going, does anyone, anyone recognize me? Does anyone, anyone know who I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I think, who are you? Are you Bart? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the, I was the blind guy. Remember me that used to sit by the gate? I was the blind guy. Like, wait, do you see? Yes, I can see. Look, it's me. Look, look, they point to anything and I'll touch it. I'll describe it. A banana? Yep, it's curvy and it's yellow. Yeah, that's me. Wait, no, let me try test something else. Can you imagine how he wanted to prove how good God was by showing it in his own life and then ending up saying, you know what? You can have it as well, buddy. 
Imagine if he went back to the city gate and he sat there beside all the other beggars and said, just believe, buddy, reach out to Jesus. You can have it because I've got it as well. Even today, he's already evangelizing to us. Even today, he's encouraging us. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this man. I can't wait to meet this man and say thank you for having the faith to take a step forward so we could learn from you. Wow. So here's the question I've got for you today. What is next for you? What's next for you? Is it saying what you want? And speak up, let it out. Don't be embarrassed. Get it out of yourself. Say what it is that you want. Is it building a board for your life? Do you need to decide what it is that you want and then decide who has what you want and can tell you what the next steps are? Put that on your list of your board. You don't have to tell them you're on your board. Just decide they're on your board and then consult them when you need next steps. It's really easy peasy. Number three, is it changing your attitude to those who are opposed to you? Excuse me. Maybe you need to unburn some bridges. Maybe you need to decide that every person that did hurt you or did oppose you or did cheat you, that somehow they're going to be used for your favor. But you need to change your attitude to them. If you've decided you're not going to talk to them, if you decide you're going to fold your arms and sit over in a huff in the corner and go, I'm not listening to you, I'm not speaking to you. Yeah, but Jesus told me to come and get you. I don't care, I'm not speaking to you. You need to change and unfold your arms and say, I'll take whatever I can get from Jesus. I don't care who he uses to bring me to him. Or is number four, is it taking a step of faith? Some of you need to find the boldness to take a next step of faith, to let go of something and take hold of something new. Are you with me on this one? Are you ready to become who you're meant to become and find your purpose? Let's stand today, shall we? And I'm trusting that God has given you your next step today. I was really encouraged this week. I went to someone's office and I was in their office and they had written out on the the whiteboard the four questions I gave four weeks ago, which is what do you want? What's your next step? Who do you need to speak to? And when are you gonna do it? And in big, bold blue, he said, what do I want? I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and take hold of this and do something with your next step. Trust that God has a next step for you. This is why I love our small groups and we're starting them next week. Small groups help us to get around other people who are also trying to take next steps. I want to be around next step inspiring people. I want to encourage you to find a small group You can speak to the welcome desk at the back or you can go online and you can see our list of small groups as well. Get involved with something because everybody, listen now, everybody from the beggar to Jesus has a next step. Even Jesus took next steps as well.